The Rangers missed a golden opportunity to take a commanding lead in the Eastern Conference while the Avalanche are in control out west. And the Arizona Coyotes took a big step toward a permanent new home in the desert. All that and more coming up on this episode of the Locked On NHL Podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome back to the Locked On NHL podcast. Gil Martin, so glad to be with you here on this Monday as we talk about everything concerning the National Hockey League. And thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. My pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On New York Rangers, John Chick. John, tough one uh, on Sunday. Rangers up two to nothing. Tampa Bay comes back and then gets the game winner with little more than 40 seconds left in the third period. I, I guess first up, emotionally, how big of a jolt was this for the New York Rangers? It's tough. You know, obviously, you know, we were talking for a minute or two off air before we started recording here. And as we were talking about, and as I discussed with you, Gil, uh, during the series against Carolina, you know, I joined you after game three in that one. And the Rangers, you know, they won that game at home, close to within two to one. As we know, and as hockey fans know, there's just an eternity of difference between being up 2-1 in a series and being up 3-0 in a series. 3-0, I mean, you've got a stranglehold. You have a chance to maybe sweep the two-time defending uh, Stanley Cup champions. But you got to give credit to Tampa. I mean, they've won two straight Stanley Cups, and it's not by accident, and it's not just by skill either. It's by, you know, grinding out some tough wins and facing some adversity and coming through it on the other side. And I think you have to give a, a ton of credit to Tampa coming back in this game and winning it. I think it's a case of Tampa kind of digging down deep and, you know, just finding a way to win a game that they absolutely had to win more so than the Rangers, you know, giving away a game or doing anything too egregiously wrong. I mean, I don't like the fact that they were outshot by about 20. I haven't looked at the final total, but uh, other than that, you know, the Rangers had a bit of a rough third period as well. But other than that, you know, sometimes you just get beat. And again, the Rangers going up against a team that's been the golden standard of this league the past couple of seasons here. And man, it would have been nice to set yourself up for a sweep, but you know, being a Ranger fan, and I think Ranger fans will agree with me on this, it's never easy, man. This this team never makes it easy on us. But if, if I would have told Ranger fans before the season, hey, you know what? We're going to be the Eastern Conference final. We're going to be playing Tampa, and we're going to get two games to one. I think just about everybody would sign up for that in two seconds. So already looking forward to game four, man. Can't wait to see what the Rangers are going to do there. No doubt Ranger fans would have taken that at the beginning of the season in a heartbeat. Yeah. How concerned are you about giving up 51 shots on goal in this game? Yeah, that's too many, obviously, and it's kind of, um, it's not like the Rangers because they've been one of the best defensive teams in hockey, you know, down the stretch uh, ever since making a couple of trades at the deadline there. They've tightened some things up, brought in some good defensive forwards that have kind of limited shots on goal uh, down the stretch and mostly into the playoffs here, a couple games against Pittsburgh notwithstanding. But uh, yeah, I would imagine they would end up tightening it up a little bit uh, in this next game here. That I would imagine that would be a point of emphasis, and obviously, fingers crossed that, uh, Barkley Goodrow is okay. You know, he gutted out uh, this, this, uh, the rest of this game here. He had the injury, came back, and he's one of the Rangers' best defensive forwards. And uh, also Ryan Strom, you know, he's not known as being a great defensive forward, but a couple of injuries there. And 
little concerning, but obviously uh, you just keep your fingers crossed and you hope that they're ready to go. And again, you hope that the Rangers can tighten things up defensively a little bit. Even if they don't, you know, Igor Shesterkin, he's always going to give you a chance as he did today, but needs a little bit more support than he got from the Rangers. But by that same token, like I've been saying, I think you got to give a lot of credit to Tampa. Uh, they played like a team that was desperate and absolutely needed to win this game. You mentioned Shesterkin. He got off to a little bit of a slow start in the playoffs, struggled a little bit in the opening round. What changed for him where all of a sudden he seems to be back to being the Igor Shesterkin that carried the Rangers for so much of the regular season? Yeah, I think it's a combination of things. You know, I know a lot of people like to point at, you know, games three and four against Pittsburgh. Of course, he got yanked out of both those games. Clearly not banner nights. They're not going to show up on his uh, career highlight reel when it's all said and done. But uh, by that same token, he got pretty much zero help in those two games, especially game four. And since then, I mean, I, I think he's just gone back to being Igor Shesterkin. You know, this guy is cool, calm, and collected. He, like this Ranger team, seems to be at his best when they've got their backs against the wall. I mean, 5-0 and in elimination games, that probably doesn't happen without Igor Shesterkin being Igor Shesterkin. And, you know, just, again, he's got his confidence back. He's got a little bit of swagger back as well. And I thought he played great in this game, too. It's just uh, a case of, you know, Tampa just continuing to pepper him down the stretch, and eventually they got a couple past him. But uh, nothing too concerning there. You know, the first goal, I, I would imagine maybe he would want that one back, the one that Kucherov scored on the power play. He five-holed him. Uh, by that same token, it's Kucherov, so you know, he's, got, he's got a nice shot. But, uh, yeah, you know, no no concerns with Igor Shesterkin. I think he'll come back strong in this next game as well. And uh, this was, uh, you know, going into the series, everybody thought this was going to be the goaltending duel to end all goaltending duels. And I think we saw some of that today. Both Both these goalies were absolutely outstanding, and I would probably look for that to continue moving forward here. One thing that's always important in the Stanley Cup playoffs is scoring depth. Talk to me about the kid line and their emergence throughout these playoffs. You know, I mean, they, they've been fantastic. It's great to see because something that I've talked about on my podcast, you know, throughout this season, of course, the Rangers get off to a good start. Nobody's really taking them seriously. They continue to play well. Still, nobody takes them seriously. Here we are in the Eastern Conference Finals. I still don't think anybody's really taking them seriously. <laughs> on and on and on with this stuff. But uh, the thing that I've said on my podcast, you know, a couple of times, and I'll repeat it here for, you know, the national audience, is that when the Raiders go from just being a pretty good team and a team that, you know, maybe could win a playoff series if, if the chips fall the right way, when they go from that to being a legit bona fide Stanley Cup contender is when one or two or preferably all three of those kids step up and start to reach their potential. And we're seeing that manifest itself right in front of our very eyes. All three of them uh, have kind of, I don't want to say reached their full potential because I think they're all still developing, but playing better than they ever have before. And that's obviously been huge to the Rangers' success in the playoffs. I think, uh, you know, Kako and Lafreniere, something that I've said about them when people have been critical of them, I think they're both underrated as defensive forwards. They've made a couple of nice plays uh, throughout the playoffs defensively. And, uh, you know, they both got nice shots. Uh, Kako is a great passer. You've got uh, Lafreniere, you know, just doing his thing and, and becoming the player that we all knew he would be. And Philip Hedl, I mean, this guy might end up with more goals in the postseason than he did in the regular season. These kids just look like they were built for playoff hockey. And, you know, you had that injury to Stroman this game. And, of course, you know, with him leaving the game, you think like, oh man, like, like, what do we do now? And I'm sure there's some temptation to move one of the kids into the second line, but I like the fact that they went with Goodrow there instead, because I'm not touching that kid line right now. You know, every, everything's working, everything's clicking. And I want to see them just continue to do whatever they can do, uh, you know, as a unit rather than breaking them up. The first four goals of this game all came on the power play two for each team. How important is special teams going to be for the rest of this series? 
Absolutely huge. And, and both these teams are very good, both on the power play and on the penalty kill, you know, throughout the entire regular season for most of the playoffs as well. And, you know, that's a lot of times the way it goes. I, I didn't see the final tally. I'm pretty sure both teams had the two power play goals. And, you know, I've got the uh, the box score here, too. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, there, there's a pretty lengthy streak going on right now. of The Rangers uh, winning pretty much every game in which they win the special teams battle throughout the playoffs. Uh, the last game, maybe notwithstanding, Tampa scored one power play goal. The Rangers went 0 for 4. But for the most part, it's absolutely huge. And that Ranger power play unit, especially the top unit, but even the second unit as well, continues to just look absolutely lethal. And we saw that in today's game. You know, we saw Mika Zibanejad. He scored on that one-timer so many times on the power play. Uh, Tampa in these last two games has been kind of keying on that and trying to take that away. And they still scored on it in this game. And then the second power play goal, uh, Mika, you know, his shot was stopped. He tried to score on the one-timer. But there's Kreider doing what he does and cleaning up the loose change in front of the net. So uh, I'm loving what I'm seeing from the Rainier power play. And hopefully they can keep it, keep it going. And I think the PK will bounce back. They did give up the two power play goals today. But they have so many good penalty killers. I mean, first of all, you got Igor. Secondly, you've got a lot of defense that you can throw out there and feel good about on the penalty kill. And then beyond that, a lot of good defensive forwards on this team that do a really nice job in the PK, whether it's Barclay Goodrow or Andrew Kopp or Tyler Mott. You know, all these guys are made to kill penalties. So I think the the special teams battle is going to be absolutely huge going forward. And I think the Rangers, not a massive edge, but I think they have a slight edge in that department, you know, going forward the rest of this series. I hope so, at least. Keys to the series, you're up two to one. What's most important for the Rangers to do from here to win it? Yeah, I think just uh, kind of having a short memory here. And again, it's not like they played terrible today. I do think they got outplayed a little bit. Um, but just doing what they've done all season, that's been kind of a staple of this team is their ability to bounce back from a disappointing loss, from a rough loss. And this definitely qualifies. I mean, again, you know, we talked about this before, Gil, but you're up 2 nothing. You have, you know, in the game and you've got a chance to go up 3-0 in the series, take a big time stranglehold. It's disappointing to not be able to get that done. But again, I think just kind of having a short memory and frankly, just not really caring about what happened in this game. It's in the books now. There's nothing you can do about it. It's two to one. Again, the Rangers coming into this season, I I think you would love to be in this position that they're in here. And to me, again, I mentioned it once earlier, but I think it's just an excellent opportunity for this team. There's no guarantees. And obviously Tampa is going to come out flying in game four. You have to think, but it's an excellent opportunity for this team uh, to bounce back from what was a very difficult loss here today. And they've shown all season they have the stuff within them to do that. You know, whether it's the regular season or, again, the five elimination games, they seem to always be at their best when they're coming back from, you know, a disappointing loss. John, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they can find the podcast and where they can find you on social media? Yeah, so you can find me at jchick17 on Twitter, and you can find the uh, Locked On New York Rangers podcast wherever you're either listening to this podcast or watching this podcast. We're on uh, every audio platform and YouTube as well. And then you've also got the uh, Twitter handle for the podcast itself, which is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And uh, yeah, definitely give us a follow and uh, we'll have some fun watching the Rangers down the stretch here for sure. John, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Gil. We'll uh, definitely have to look to do this again soon. Our next sponsor has a product I literally use every day, and I started taking AG1 because I don't like taking pills. In fact, I'm not very good at taking pills, and I wanted something that, you know, was a supplement that tasted great. So what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adoptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All these things. And it's lifestyle friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, 
dairy-free or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good, and it costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. There's no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. We have an important favor to ask you. We put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcasts even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and what you don't like about Locked On Podcasts. Go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take you very long, and everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take our audience survey, go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. Thank you for your help. My pleasure to welcome back to the show the co-host of Locked On Coyotes, Robin Leano. And Robin, big news for the Coyotes this past week. And here's an organization that could use a little good news. So let's let's hear it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think a lot of us here in Arizona are taking, you know, like a very short sigh of relief here as the uh, Tempe City Council convened on Thursday uh, for a very long meeting. It was an eight-hour long meeting as they discussed the, uh, the Arizona Coyotes proposal to build a development in their city. And it was, a well, this vote was just to bring into negotiations, just to start negotiations. But, you know, it was, it was still questions if it was going to pass or not, but it did five to two. So like everyone's, everyone was pretty happy in the end. Yeah. And what the negotiations now will begin. What are the advantages for the coyotes of being able to, set up an arena there in Tempe. Tempe is a perfect location, especially the location that they're looking at exactly. It is about, um, it is like right off the freeway, really close to the freeway, really close to downtown Phoenix, right on the border with Scottsdale. So it like that area of, of the, uh, the valley in Arizona is prime real estate. That's where all the hockey fans are. You're going to have people flooding in there's a, a, a like a downtown like bar district for, of Tempe, not too far away, Mill Avenue, so people can be flooding in from there. It is right next to Arizona State. Like you could not think of a more perfect location. Glendale at the time seemed like it was great, you know, 19 years ago. This could like this like beats it by far and away, like different worlds. And what kind of timetable? Well, okay, before we get to that, what? What else goes along with the arena in this proposal? How does this look? So um, it's, of course, going to be the arena, and it's going to have uh, shops, like boutique shops, a hotel, parking garages, uh, affordable housing apartment complex. It's a full-on, like, again, it's a massive development, almost $2 billion that's being put privately funded by the, uh, by the Morella Group, by the way. Um, and... Uh, it's going to have like as much as possible out there. The only concern is the fact that it is the residential aspect, which is 
has brought the attention of the uh, the Federal Aviation <laughs> Federal Aviation um, and Associate. They're they're trying to fight it. They're Why? Fight On it. what basis? Uh, it is within ten thousand feet of the airport and within its noise contour, apparently. So it's going to create obviously a lot of sound. So it's like, oh, it's just not safe. It's just not. It's just like you don't want to put residents within that noise area. Right. Right. As far as the Coyotes organization is concerned, what would this deal mean for them going forward as far as revenue is concerned and as far as staying in the desert is concerned? Um, well, it's like, I mean, it will bring a lot to them again because like they will get a massive bit of the revenue from from everything that happens. Again, the Relic is putting so much so much forth there, all the games um, based on its prime location. Plus, uh, there's... Uh, a, f- a few other, you know, aspects to this. I think Gary Bettman, Commissioner Gary Bettman, was actually uh, zoomed in to the city council meeting as part of the Coyotes presentation, and said that he full uh, fully supports this project, and if they do it, he promises that the Coyotes will get an NHL All Star game and an NHL draft down the road when it gets finally built. And once it does, the Coyotes will be locked into a 30-year non-relocation deal. Yeah, that, that is more stability, I think, than the team has had since they uh, arrived. So that that would be indeed very big. We know next year the Coyotes will be playing in a much smaller arena, a college arena that's being converted. How, if at all, is that affecting their ability to spend money this offseason? Um, you know, I'm trying to, I, I, I'm not sure too much of how much it is for them to spend money. I, mean, I know like it's going to be a lot tighter. They already put in a lot of money to build, to uh, help AS, you know, help the, uh, upgrade the ASU facility. Right. You know, I think, uh, Alex Morello's group put up $20 million just to make it NHL ready. Right. So they're, um, already putting a lot of money on that aspect, but, um, there's going to be they are going to be very limited to what they do because um a lot of the ad decisions and you know other revenue decisions go straight through the air through the university first and not to not to uh not to the coyotes so that, that might be a little more difficult on that side and as far as their ability to spend on free agents or bring in you know higher paid yeah. players they might just try to hit the floor at this point i mean because they're they're in no place to to compete still they're still going to be on the full-on tank. I'm like, I'm a full believer that they're going to be on the that hashtag tank hard for Bedard for next year. I mean, they didn't get they they uh, didn't win the Shane Wright sweepstakes this year, so um, let's just move on to next year for them. I mean, I mean, and, and again, they're in no rush to do it. So like, minus well, just not worry about it. And then once they're once they're back on their feet, then they're willing to spend the big bucks. As far as the draft goes this year, any idea what position group maybe that the Coyotes are focusing on the most? Um, I think I think at this point it's whatever. Like whenever whenever each of their picks comes up, it's just whatever's next best available because they're they're deficient in every in every position. They need forwards. They need defensemen. They need goalie. They need absolutely everything. <laughs> I mean, is there, you talked about them looking to tank in in a certain way, but as far as putting a roster together, what area do you think they'll emphasize first? Um, I think they'll focus on defense first because that uh, this last year, like half of their defense got injured and they called up all the guys from the Tucson Roadrunners. 
Like how they were like ninety percent of their defense was Tucson Roadrunners players, and they don't want to do that again. They want to help those guys develop, so they want to try to find new guys and whatever, and you know just keep just keep replenishing as much as they can, you know, because they it's it's a very diff- that's the, the most efficient. I think that's what they are right now. And you know you hear a lot of people get cynical about the Coyotes and them staying in Arizona. Uh, you know hockey shouldn't be there. Blah 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 blah. How do you answer those critics? What do you say to them about the fan base, the organization, and its future? Um, I, and I, I first go like, look, the Coyotes were put in the wrong, in, in a terrible position moving Nick Lundell in the first place. You know, I think you know that was in a way setting up for failure. Yes, at the time it looked like a good deal. It wasn't, and they made, and, and they understood that. Um, but now they know where they're moving. They know that's where they, all the fans are. And the, to the those that say hockey doesn't belong in the desert. You're completely wrong. Look in the Scottsdale side. That is a haven for potential NHL, future NHL superstars. It just developed, you know, one of the greatest American-born hockey players in Austin Matthews. Developed uh, a new prospect also in the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, organization and Matthew Nyes. Like, it's just pumping out, you know, hockey greats. You know, Lindsay Fry, one of the first uh, uh, female Olympic athletes coming out of Arizona. Like, it's, like... It, 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 hockey belongs in Arizona. <laughs> All right, Robin, why don't you let our listeners and our viewers know where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Yeah, absolutely. You can find our podcast on your, pretty much wherever you get your podcast, you know, Apple, Google, Spotify, even on YouTube. On social media, we are um, at LO underscore Coyotes, even on Instagram at Locked On Coyotes. Uh, I'm personally at Robin underscore Leano. It's Robin with a Y underscore L E A N O. All right. Robin, always a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for joining us today. Of course. Thanks, Gil. Today's episode is brought to you by your friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including this year's basketball championship matchup, the NHL Hockey Conference Finals, Major League Baseball, and of course, all the latest fighting news from MMA and UFC to boxing. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. My pleasure to welcome back to the show a very familiar face uh, to Locked On NHL viewers and a familiar voice to Locked On NHL listeners, the host of Locked On Avalanche, Chris Maselli. Chris, how you yeah. doing? Uh, good, man. I always love uh, showing up online. It's like my second home. Locked yes. On NHL. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, welcome back. Welcome home. And uh, <laughs> nice uh, situation your team finds itself in, up three games to none. Uh, although I will say game three was a little tougher uh, of a win than the first two games. Uh, what was tougher about game three? Let's start with that. Well, anytime you're on the road, I mean, right there is is going to be a tough atmosphere. And Edmonton is definitely a, a difficult place to play. That place is loud. Uh, but the abs this year, the, the road is is just not bothering them, especially in the playoffs. They have two losses so far in, in these entire playoffs, and they're both at home. They have not lost on the road yet. So, but for this game, it was just, you know, Edmonton needed to come out and, and they needed a win. 
And sometimes when you get that, you get a team that is uh, putting some things together that will, uh, you know, put them in a better position to to try and win. And they did. I mean, first shift of the game for Connor McDavid, and he he gets a goal. It couldn't have started off any better for Edmonton, and it couldn't have started off any worse for Colorado. But Colorado has done this so many times in the playoffs where they give up the first goal. And it's I joked on on Lockdown Avalanche, like they're like Wade Boggs, like they'll give you the first strike and then they they just have so much time to get their legs under them, get going and play their game. It, they're just in so much command of themselves right now. They don't panic. Um, and, you know, you get things like and I'm sure we'll get to it, the Nazem Kadri and, and Evander Kane thing like that sure. happened minutes after the McDavid goal. So Edmonton went from as great a start as you, you can to a five minute major. And it didn't matter. It didn't matter, but you know what I mean? It doesn't matter that, that the avalanche didn't score on those five minutes. It was just, it sucked the life out of that building. So, and on top of that, the abs just, I think after game one, everybody was just thinking this, that was going to be just a microcosm of the series to come with goals left and right. And I don't think we gave enough credit to the Colorado Avalanche and their defense and those defensive pairings that they have. They are making life very, very difficult for Edmonton. They're not giving them good looks. They're keeping them outside of the dots. You know, they're, they're going to get – you can't completely shut out Connor McDavid. And Dreisaitl seems like he's hurt. Yeah. But uh, you're getting really good defense. And backup goaltender Pavel Francos is looking like Vasilevsky. <laughs> I mean, he, he he's he's come in, but for Avalanche fans, we're kind of used to that from him because he's been reliable for quite a while now. How easy would it have been for him? You know, you, you, you come into the series, you're starting the game, and bam, you know, less than a minute in, you're down one nothing on the road, places going bonkers, and yet he wasn't intimidated. No, and I think that just speaks to, like, he's been called on so many times because – Avalanche fans know uh, they they have dealt with injuries for years now, and and even in you know before uh, this past year with Philip Grubauer, the past couple of years Philip Grubauer, like he went down, Pablo Francois stepped in, and this was a couple of years ago when they, they had the outdoor game at, at Air Force. Philip Grubauer got injured at that game, and Francois had to come in. The first week, he was the number one star in, in the league. The second week, he was the number three star in the league. And if COVID hadn't stopped that season, Pavel Francouz was going into the playoffs as the number one goalie. So this is like they have a great one and and they're really like one and one a uh, a tandem. You need that in today's NHL is a goalie tandem. And, and they've signed him. Uh, he, he wasn't unrestricted, but they signed him for another couple. Like he is they they they, they don't miss a beat when he is in and that goes you know not just for him but for the avalanche and their lines like they they're they're missing guys like Burakovsky got hurt so and then Nicholas Abe Kubel came in he got hurt so then they bring in you know Nico Sturm it's just like you know you always hear the next man up mentality and it and it works to a T for the avalanche it's great talk to me about some of these extracurriculars the injuries mm. the 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 physicality of this series sometimes approaching or crossing the line what's your take 
Uh, as far as the, the Evander Kane thing, like that, that's just not necessary. It's just un, un, uncalled for. I mean, it, it was he, he could see Kadri's numbers for a while, and he still decided to go through with that. Um, you know, the game game one really wasn't that physical, and and I think you know I don't know if Edmonton thought like we we need to up our physicality. Uh, but I don't think it's been that bad outside of the Evander Kane hit. That one was completely egregious. And, and, you know, the, the five minute major was the least of his worries. Now he's suspended a game. Uh, I kind of guessed that's, that's what it would be. Not saying that I agree with that. Uh, you know, if, if we're going off of, you know, history and, you know, we went off of history when Nazem Kadri was suspended for eight games last year, why are we not going off of history when it comes to Evander Kane? And suspensions. And I'm kind of of the guy like I I would like to figure out a way to suspend a guy, especially in the playoffs, for when you do something like that and the the person that you injured is out for a, a significant amount of time. Why is that guy why is the guy that not performed the act out for a similar amount of time? Because if Edmonton wins this game in game four, Evander Kane is back. And we know Nazem Kadri is not going to be back for the rest of the series. Is that fair? Well, I don't know. I mean, it, I think it's a conversation. It's tough because then, then you have this indefinite suspension where a, a player could even intentionally stay out in order to keep another player out of a series. You could, but then, then you know, would the Avalanche want to do that with Nazem Kadri? Would, would the Avalanche want not with Nazem Kadri, but it depends who who the injured player is. If you make that the rule. Is what I'm saying. You're right. And and I think there would be some, uh, you know, there'd have to, I'm not saying this is like set in stone and, and this is how I think it should be. Right. But when, when this happens, it's just like, oh, you get one game and the other guy gets, he's getting at least four mm-hmm. because of the injury. And I just don't think that like matches up. I don't know what the answer is. I'm just saying, right. I just feel like it's a little bit unfair, but um, it is what it is. I, 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 People are asking me, like, what do you think he should have gotten for Evander Kane? Right. Um, you know, I, I think more than one. I would have been okay, okay. With, with with two or three, but I think one is a little bit light. And just because of because of the the act, it was it was I get intentional. The, I get the feeling if it was regular season, we'd be looking at at least five. But the playoffs, they tend to try to shorten the suspensions. Tell that to Nazem Kadri. We can require on that. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I, I understand. Yeah. What are the keys for the Avalanche to close out this series without too much drama? Yeah, uh, they, uh, you, you know, when, when you're when you're rolling like the Avs are, you don't change anything. Like you, you just keep playing your game. Whatever Edmonton throws at you, I feel like the Avalanche can handle it. And I've said this against when they first round against uh, Nashville, you got everything that Nashville could could throw at you. And you felt like okay, that like we we can beat this team. St. Louis was, I think, I St. Louis was tough. You mm-hmm. know, they, they're lucky to get out of that in in, in six games. Um, but same thing with, with Edmonton. You know, what I mean, you you are getting the best that they have, and the depth for the Avalanche. Edmonton has no answer for them. The depth, the the bottom six guys for forwards for the Avs are just. They're, they're putting up more points than the top six guys. It's it's crazy. Um, or else it seems that way. I don't have that, uh, you know, those stats directly in front of me, but it just right. seems that way. They, they are, they, when when the fourth line is out there, you're confident. You're confident they can do some stuff. So 
Keep doing that. Keep playing great defense. You are getting every single game so far in the series. You've gotten at least 40 shots on goal. Continue to do that. Continue to play great defense. They're playing very good defense on Connor McDavid. I think Leon Dreisaitl is a little bit hurt. Um, and he doesn't, he just does not seem to have the step that he normally has or the strength that he normally has. Um, so, I mean, everything is working in the avalanche advantage right now, despite them having injuries of their own, they just are, are a great cohesive unit and it doesn't matter who's out on that ice. Uh, they're going to play that way. So things are looking really good for the ass. All right, Chris, why don't you tell our listeners and our viewers where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Yeah, follow on uh, Twitter, L-O-P-N underscore Avalanche. Um, and within our profile there, my Twitter page is on there and my co-host Kyle Sullivan, his Twitter handle is on there as well. Uh, we're on Instagram, Locked on Avalanche, and YouTube. Just search uh, Locked on Avalanche and subscribe to our uh, YouTube channel. All right, Chris Maselli, always a pleasure. Thanks for doing yes. it. Thanks, Gil. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On NHL Podcast. I want to thank my guest, John Chick of Locked On New York Rangers, Robin Leano of Locked On Arizona Coyotes, and Chris Maselli of Locked On Avalanche. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Locked On NHL Podcast. Make sure you join us throughout the week for all the latest information and analysis about the Stanley Cup playoffs from our local experts. Have a great day and thanks for listening to the Locked On NHL podcast.